Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Design Recharge. I'm your host, Diane Gibbs, and I'm here with my friend Adam Martin, who I met at Creative South, and we were both podcasters, and we kind of geeked out, and every time we get on the phone to talk about it, or Skype, or whatever, we end up spending hours talking about stuff. So I'm really excited. If you don't know who Adam is, he does his own podcast called Makers of Sport Podcast, but he also has runs his own business that's a lot of sports um his makers of sport is for designers who are part of the sports industry and he's kind of built a community so we're going to talk about all this stuff so adam without further ado welcome to the show thank you glad to be here you got to be careful with interviewing another podcaster because we could go like four or five hours <laughs> no i'm doing really good i'm really really trying to be uh better at um getting things um within the hour so we're gonna do it and Jason Carnes joining us too, my good buddy too. So anyway, so Adam, I want you to tell us a little bit about, so you grew mm -hmm. up playing sports, right? I did. Um, grew up uh, about 30, 40 minutes east of Lexington, Kentucky in a small town called Mount Sterling. And I, uh, well, first I was an art kid. I mean, I, like when I was younger, I didn't like my sons. I've got a five and seven year old and my seven year old is really into sports right now, but I, it, it didn't hit me at that age. It wasn't until probably sixth grade that I got really into sports. Uh, so I started off as really an art kid and into comic books, kind of the typical art kid type stuff. Um, and then uh, I, I, you know, like you said, got into sports seventh grade, started playing basketball and soccer for the school teams. And, uh, and when I was in sixth grade, <laughs> I got this, uh, it was actually at a, it was at a church, uh, like youth type deal. And we did like a gift exchange and I got this magazine called slam magazine. <laughs> and, um, and I'd never heard of it. It was like issue number two. So it was brand new. And, and I remember opening up and reading it and the, the style of writing was very, uh, it spoke to you. Uh, it was very sort of hip hop like, you know, and, and I was, I was blown away because I never read anything that wrote in that particular style, mm -hmm. right? Like this isn't the time of the internet where there's all these voices that are defined right. and all this stuff. The only thing I had seen is like sports illustrated, right. right? Which was very sort of professionally written sort of, you know, stodgy to be honest. Um, <laughs> no offense to any sports illustrated people. Uh, I don't think I'm friends with any writers, just designers. So they probably won't care as much. <laughs> But um, so that magazine really sort of opened my eyes up into, I, I went very deep into the world of basketball. And then there was an issue where they highlighted sneakers. And I was a, uh, being a basketball player, the world of sneakers is something that's sort of synonymous with that because you go through a lot of them, they tear up or whatever. And, and then also like Michael Jordan, that type of thing. Um, and, and it also just from like a, a sports sort of culture perspective really sort of got, got me in real deep. Like I remember the old starter jackets that you would put the pullover starter jackets. And there was like a cultural thing back then as far as like sports fashion that mm -hmm. sort of was new and it had come onto the scene. And I actually interviewed the creative director of the NBA of that time and, and talked to him about how I was his audience. Right. And mm -hmm. I vividly remember that time where they were doing sort of these secondary logos and stuff like that. But I still didn't really know that sports design was a thing because I, I didn't really know what the design was a thing then. Right. right? I was in middle school. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I always liked art. And um, Was anybody I, in your family in art or in an art field? So uh, my, my, grandma, my, my maternal grandmother uh, was always a very crafty and creative person. Like, what would you call her? Grandmother. 
<laughs> my, my dad always made fun of her for the fact that that's what she wanted to be called. And we were so little, we couldn't, you know, get that, <laughs> get that out. Right. I was expecting like was, Meemaw or something. Well, but she was, uh, she, she's an interesting person. So like my mom's name is, uh, Vanessa, like V-A-N-E-E-S-A. And my aunt's name, my, her sister's name is Lysandra. So like, she was always just like a different type of person. Um, and so like people, you know, always misspell my mom's name, Vanessa, and it's right. like really two E's or whatever. But, um, she, I remember her painting a lot. Um, but it was kind of like the crafty stuff. Like she would paint. I remember her painting like on a sweatshirt of mine, like a soccer ball with like a face and like legs <laughs> and whatever, and like a lunchbox, um, which my kid, my son actually has today. It, it sat in my home closet for years and my mom, found it and, and we just kind of put some little trinket toys in there or whatever for them. Um, so she was a creative person and my dad, so my mom sort of had a little bit of that, but it wasn't, she, I mean, when we had like school things, she would like make my stuff, like my costume or whatever. Right. Um, so that was always kind of normal to me. My dad wasn't a real creative person, but he did sort of uh, facilitate, I guess a little bit. He bought one of those, old school desks that like the one piece wooden type deal at like a yard sale and set it up in the corner. And I remember I would just sit there and draw a lot. Hmm. And, um, uh, I would make like one t at one time, I guess my first piece of graphic design without even knowing what graphic design was, was I made a movie poster of, uh, <laughs> of this guy who he was a comic book character that I created <laughs> called captain kill. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> And, uh, and he was facing Tremors, the movie Tremors. <laughs> you remember the worms that came up out of the ground or whatever? Yeah. And <laughs> I don't like scary movies. <laughs> okay. Well, this movie's pretty cheesy, but, you know, it was probably scary back <laughs> at that time. Um, so so did it was, e were either of them athletes? Um, no, my mom wasn't. My dad, I think, played high school sports. Like, he didn't really – I mean, he wasn't, like, gung-ho, super crazy – you know, forcing me to do whatever. Like I remember him coaching some of my smaller like soccer teams, but you know, I mean, he worked, he worked a lot, you know, and uh, cause we're a blue collar family and he worked in a factory and I think he took a, he took a second job on and, and was working a lot. Um, and he was around for like the weekends and I mean, he wasn't like traveling working, but you know, and he didn't miss games. Like when I played sports, he didn't miss any games, but he, he wasn't like one of those dads that, you know, was like the coach crazy. Yeah. Right. Like exactly. you are. <laughs> well, I'm a coach, but I, I won't say that I'm like that crazy dad. I try to I'm stay just away. playing with you. <laughs> um, but so I found there was a feature in Slam uh, and, and it, it had a sneaker designer in it. And, mm. I, and I was like, whoa, this is a thing. That's really cool. So I went through high school. I took five art classes in high school because, uh, you know, you get electives or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I think you only had to take like one art class, but I ended up doing five and became pretty close with my art teacher who was uh fairly young like this that was like one of her first years teaching after her um sounds know. like you had an inappropriate relationship with no no no, not that at all okay. I, actually I, I mentioned this before <laughs> on on the creative south podcast and people were cracking jokes about it but it wasn't that at all she was she was just super cool she was a cool teacher we were young kids she was a cool teacher she was right, like right she would force us to listen to 80s music on wednesdays for way back wednesday <laughs> I just, I that. but um uh, you know, so she sort of like guided me into what can I do? And she had went to Eastern Kentucky University, which had a, a pretty decent art program. And my mom actually went there for an associate's degree. 
So, you know, I was well aware of the school. It was like 45 minutes from where I went. And she, um, uh, so she sort of, she knew the teachers and stuff. She was like, you should check that place out. I went, um, at the time though, I was actually dating a girl in like one of the surrounding counties. So it was like, I kind of wanted to stay home. Um, and so, you know, that's where I went to school for, for college, got there majoring in art. And I remember my dad being like, what can you, what are you going to do with that? You're not going to like make any money. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. I guess I'm going to design sneakers or something. Right. I didn't know. Um, so sneaker design is obviously pro a product, physical product design. So typically that's an industrial design right. program. And well, they didn't have that, uh, where, where I was at school. So I remember I met a baseball player the first day of, of school in one of my early art classes. And he was like, you should check. He, that's what he wanted to do too. And so he was like, well, I saw that they didn't have it. And so I just picked graphic design. It sounded like the next best thing. So I was like, ah, well, maybe I'll do that too. So I'll check that out. Ended up declaring graphic design, you know, a couple weeks into my first year. So I didn't really miss out any, any, anything. And, uh, that's when, you know, and I mean, I was just like, it's a pretty typical student. I wasn't super passionate about it. It was just like, I hated carrying my big drawing, the big, what do they call that? The big wooden thing that you draw. Yeah. It's <laughs> I like hated a, carrying, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> I hated big carrying board. all that stuff around, you know, I always mm -hmm. hated carrying all that stuff around. And, um, and so, it wasn't until probably my senior year. Actually, it was my junior year. End of my junior year, we had – so Eastern Kentucky University is about an hour and a half from Cincinnati. Mm -hmm. And Cincinnati is a really big branding and packaging scene because of P&G. Uh, it's got a really good design scene there. So we actually went up for a student portfolio review, and the seniors had to present, and the juniors went to watch. Mm -hmm. And so when I went to watch, that was when it sort of opened my eyes up to this world of – of agencies and design firms and all this stuff. So that was really what, what, when I started really getting serious <laughs> about it. So then I think I subscribed to Comarts, mm -hmm. uh, you know, at home and, uh, and I bought a Mac and cause we were using Macs at the school and I hated staying in the studio, you know, right. till one, two in the morning. Cause you know, you'd procrastinate on a project. <laughs> so I convinced my my parents to, uh, you know, get me a Mac and so then I was able to work from home and, do, and procrastinate until two or three in the morning. <laughs> um, and, and then, you know, I mean, graduated, interviewed like five or six places, didn't get jobs, kind of, I mean, I guess that's typical. I don't know. Maybe there's people that just snatch a job right out. But um, What you know, year was that? This was 2000, the spring of 2005 okay. is when I graduated college. Yeah. So, um uh, and of course, like I kind of skipped going up there to the portfolio review. I went and did the actually participated in the, in the AIGA portfolio view review uh, my senior year. Uh, got had a, got contacted by a recruiter. Went to interview at this place and listened to this guy basically tell me I need to go back to a portfolio school. And I'm like, why did you interview me? This doesn't make any sense, right? Um, so I sort of keep that guy uh, keep like an eye on him. I mean, you know, once a year, check in, see where he's at to see like who's doing more successful things. <laughs> um, but so, so I ended up lucking out and I got this interview at this place called, it was the name of the company was called host communications. And I was familiar with host communications only in the sense that when you listen to a Kentucky basketball game, they would say, welcome to host communications and the big blue sports network. So I'm like, this is like a radio company. I don't know. I didn't know anything about them. Right. 
but I go there and, and that was when I really got sort of inundated with like the sports business as a whole. Cause then I started to see like, you know, mm-hmm. sponsorship opportunities and then like game programs and schedule cards and posters and, and sort of those, those types of logos where like AT&T sponsors the game between say Alabama and Auburn. Right. And we would like make that. Um, and, uh, and, and so I, I took that job, uh, luck, basically, you know, luck, lucked into that job, I guess. And, and worked there for about a year and a half. How do you, how far are you wanting me to go? Cause this is. So, so then, so take us to kind of from your beginnings to kind of where you are now. Cause how long did you work for a company? And then when did you decide to kind of go on your own? Right. So I worked for this place, host communications for a, a year and like three months. And, and I know that doesn't sound like a long time, but when you're 22, like that's forever. Right. <laughs> Yeah. Now it's actually I'm, probably a good first job <laughs> length of time. I tell people usually my students, I tell them, Hey, work for like a year at this job, your first job, <laughs> because a lot of times it's not to move forward and to stretch. You need to go on, you know? Right. So, and, and, you know, like a year at that time is a pretty big percentage of your life <laughs> as opposed to now. Um, so I worked there for about a year and a half and, and I, we were kind of, it was, the, the work was sort of circuitous, right? So like, uh, um, or cyclical, I guess is the yeah. right word, where it was just, it was coming back around. We we're starting to do the same stuff again. And right. I just, I got, I was, we worked a ton of hours, first of all, and I was really burnt out and host communications at the time was there's this, there's this magazine or publication news, kind of like a newspaper called the sports business journal. And it's sort of like the Wall Street Journal of the sports business. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a very stodgy publication. I think it costs like two grand a year to even s- subscribe to this thing. Wow. And I remember, you know, there were the, those were always laying around or whatever. But at the time, Host Communications was ranked the number three sports marketing company in the country. And number one was a company called IMG. And then number two was a company called Octagon. Well, both of those companies were sort of like, the Jerry Maguire movie type companies where you had agents and represent representation and that type of stuff. And host was only college sports. Hmm. So what happened was like a year after I left, um, IMG bought host communications and turned them into IMG college. So typically what I do now is I just tell people I worked at IMG college cause I just don't feel like going through the whole story. Cause that's more, right. uh, <laughs> unless it's someone that's, that's uh, older than me in the sports business, then I know that they'll, they'll understand. Um, so, so I was there for about a year, a couple months and I, and I was just getting so frustrated with the work and, and the environment was very, um, I don't want to say corrupt, but it was like, you couldn't trust anybody. Right. It was like, there was sort of that old school mentality of like throw everybody under the bus to move up. Mm. And, and, and that honestly, that polluted my view of the workforce. Mm. Like I was just like, is this how work is? Cause this is not what I want to do at all. Right. So, um, when I was in college, I interviewed or I, I interned my senior year at this place called the Verde Group. And the Verde Group was a small boutique advertising agency that was owned by um, this family, the Greens, hence Verde, um, that owned like a bunch of car dealerships, just entrepreneur in Lexington, owned a bunch of car dealerships and then restaurants and that type of thing. And he had got sick of working with agencies. So he's like, I'll just start my own. <laughs> so I got to work with this, uh, this lady. Um, her name was Yoshika Azuma. She was Japanese and she went to VCU. So, um, yeah, so, so I got to, uh, 
sort of intern under her and learned so much, right? Uh, because you we had probably pretty- learned a lot about type because VC oh, is like type. Uh, yeah. I remember laying out ads and stuff, and she would go through every single letter in the document, <laughs> it, like even even the like the the paragraphs, right, and be like, "You need to turn this in," <laughs> or whatever. And I'm like, "This is pretty crazy." <laughs> so, <laughs> and you know, I knew what kerning. I mean, I had a graphic design degree, like I was in graphic design classes, but my teacher was kind of old school. Like we were, she she didn't really understand how to use a computer right. <laughs> and stuff like that. Uh, so, so working with, uh, we called her Yoshi for short. So working with Yoshi was awesome. Uh, she taught me a lot. She opened my eyes to some like different firms and stuff. So I started paying attention to, she introduced me to this company called I love dust, which is like an illustration mm. shop, uh, in England. And, uh, they do a ton of work for Nike and Red Bull and Pepsi. Uh, it's very illustrative type work. So I still kind of keep tabs on them. They're, they're still probably my favorite shop. So were you, were you, um, it was it l- the environment, was it less stressful and we were working less hours and you were able to put time into doing those changes or was it always sort of feeling like, Oh my gosh, I got to make all these changes. Well, so this was actually before the reason why I went backwards is because I started, they sort of disbanded that and I picked up Yoshi left and went to a firm and I picked up them as a freelance client, mm-hmm. but sort of uh, going back in reverse you know, I got to work. I basically worked on car ads and things. You know, she didn't want to do, but I, I, I like, I, but I went there from bagging groceries at Kroger, right? right. So like to me, this was like the best job in the world. I'm working in graphic design. So this was number one job. This was number one. Yeah. And it so, started off as an internship, uh, during the summer, I went in from nine to six oh, right, right, right. unpaid. And, Ooh. and then, uh, and then my, um, and then, so I would go in from the summer before my senior year of college, I would go to this internship from nine to six, 40 hours a week. And then I would go straight to Kroger and work from seven to 12 on Friday night and then get up at, and go in at six to three, uh, Saturday. Wow. So it got to be the point where my senior year of college was just like no life, right? My friends were all going out and you know, it's like, I didn't, I had to go bag groceries or whatever. And a lot of the times, because I'm a, I'm a, a tall, I'm like six four, um, kind You're of my like, height. I'd, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you might be a little taller than me. I don't know. We'll have to, we'll have to see. <laughs> um, I, uh, I, I got stuck pushing like the carts from outside, like in. Oh you know, I mean, yeah. So they're like, "Oh, you're the big tall guy. You can just like big strong guy. You can do all these things." And I'm like, "Oh, great." So um, I had uh, convinced the, uh, uh, the. Uh, account sort of director the agency setup was you had obviously the owner who owned the car dealership and then he had like a president of the Verde group who was like basically business development then you had a media placement person and then you had an account director who was kind of like really running the, right. the shop the day-to-day because the president was never there he was kind of out like i don't know partying i think um and and then you had yoshi who was the gra- who was the graphic designer it was basically like one person for each position and then i came mm-hmm. in with yoshi and then they would get interns that would do like account management, right? So right, like, right. Usually me and that intern would hit it off and go to lunch together or whatever. Um, and, uh, and so I convinced them to hire me because I was like, I can't do this anymore. Like mm. I'm not, you know, I like being here and I really want to be here, but I can't come in for free anymore. Cause I like, this is my senior year of school. So a lot of this portfolio stuff is about to get heavy. And so they, um, the way that my art classes fell, I didn't take any classes on Fridays. Mm-hmm. 
So they let me, uh, they let me, they worked out hours and I think they paid me like $8 and 50 cents an hour. I was getting like $6 and 15 cents an hour at Kroger. So they paid me eight fifty to come in and work for them. So I was like, I was in heaven. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is amazing. So, uh, yeah, but you know, I, I mean, it wasn't, there were some things that you had to do fast, but I mean, I was slow, right. Cause I was in college. You're learning. Uh, yeah. Um, so I got to do some, some, I don't, none of that stuff would be in my portfolio because <laughs> it's all of terrible. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. But you're <laughs> learning. Hey, so Jason Karn wants to know, are you still in Lexington? He lives there now. Okay. Uh, so, uh, to give context to this, I usually say Lexington because like the, in the greater sense of things, I am in Lexington. That's where you go to the grocery store. Right. To <laughs> you, Diane. But like, uh, in terms of since Jason is actually in Lexington, I'm like 35 minutes east of Lexington in the country. Like I live on four acres, like way out in the country with a bad internet connection. <laughs> and pray but for, close enough, pray. you could get lunch sometime. Oh yeah. I still try. I mean, I still go into the city. Like my son, like my, my son plays club soccer. So we're in, I mean, I'm there three days a week for sport. So, so. Jason, you and Adam will just have to get together. Yeah. We'll have to have to grab lunch or something. Um, I used to be super involved in like the local scene. He's in Nicholasville. Okay. Yeah. I know exactly where that is. Um, just, Further or closer to you? It's further than where I am, but it's, it's just south of, it's like just south of Lexington. It's the next county south of Lexington, okay. whereas I'm two counties east. All right. So I'm going to move on. So you worked at the place where you, the Verde group, and then you got the job at the IMG college, which it wasn't IMG college then, right. but that's what we're going to call mm -hmm. it. And then you worked there for a year and three months. And then what happened? So then I just got really fed up and I, I was, um, frustrated and hated everything right hated sports i didn't want to watch anything like i'd watch really yeah like when i came home i didn't because that was all you did all day and the editors that were writers and stuff that's all they did was talk about it at the water cooler and i was just like you guys care about anything else right this is you know it's driving me nuts and i've always loved sports but i'm really really burnt out so i uh, like i said yoshi went to work for a, a design firm and they brought in a new account person. Well, she contacted Yoshi didn't want to do the freelance because they're like, mm. why don't you do she was like, I don't want to do it. Why don't you hit up Adam? So through that referral, they hit me, the new lady hit me up and that was my first freelance client, like full-time freelance client. I think you I were going full-time. Well, just so here's the story. Okay. <laughs> I hated my job. Um, and are you married at this point? I am not, but I'm dating my wife. So my okay. wife and I started dating when I was a senior in college, uh, but we weren't engaged. And, you know, I, I, I didn't, in my head, I wasn't planning on getting married anytime soon. So, <laughs> um, uh, cause we dated for like three years and then we're engaged for a year. So, um, so I hated my job and this place had a history of really trying to convince people to stay either that, or they would turn the whole thing on you and make like every single problem, like your fault. And you just basically, you couldn't sever ties with this place. Mm. Um, you know, in a, in a civil way, <laughs> I guess. So, uh, so I basically made up a story and said that th the only way that they cannot convince me is if they think that I have in my head that I'm going to start my own company, right? Because you can't stop an entrepreneur from living out their dream, right? Right. So I went in and had this conversation with them and, and, uh, you know, I mean, I was still planning on looking for a job, uh, <laughs> And, and I did interview, I interviewed at like a, another local firm called uh, Elevation Creative, uh, which was a pretty reputable design agency that eventually split up. And now there's like a new one called Shatterbox, the, one of the guys there. But um, I, uh, uh, 
So I went in and told them that I was starting my own firm. And then they sent out this big email to like 300 employees. <laughs> they were like, we wish Adam luck. This is his last day. <laughs> like, he's starting his own company. And I was like, oh crap. Like now I'm like really got a lot of pressure on me to, you know. To Cause be- you're like 23. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was 22. Yeah. Oh, so was, you're 22. You're yeah, starting like, your own. I, was I 23? I might well, you said 20. you worked there for a year and three months, and I figured you graduated. I from graduated, and so I would have turned 22 May of my senior year of college. So yeah, I think I was 23. Um, so uh, you know, I quit, and and I basically started uh, doing the stuff for the Verde Group, and you know, it wasn't really. I mean, I think I was charging when I first started freelancing for them, I was charging like $30 an hour. And this was when I was like in, had a job. When I left the job, I started charging 45 an hour. I still, you know, I didn't have a lot of work. And, uh, and so that first year, I mean, I was poverty stricken, (laughs) you know, like I had nothing. So like basically, you know, I was sort of living off my girlfriend (laughs) who supported me luckily for me. Um, and, uh, Who's now your wife? Yes, now my wife, and now she doesn't work. So we sort of, you know, hopefully, hopefully, I'm helping <laughs> kind of reverse that a little bit. But um, so, so I was pretty broke, and then I set up an LLC. I didn't know what I was doing. I just went to the Kentucky tax, whatever, and just like I didn't want to spend any money, right? I How was, much is it there in Kentucky a year to it's do an LLC? Seventy-five a year mm. for an LLC. And you were doing yeah. at some point, you were doing multiple LLCs. Which you have the right? most I've had at one time is just is two, but I've had a total in my career. I've had let's see, one, two, three, I've had four total. That's a lot. I right just now, put them got, all under one. Well, right now I've got two, and then the but the makers of sport LLC actually funnels up to my design studio LLC. So, like all the expenses and all the whatever, it's kind of like an umbrella, yeah, type deal. Um, I just now I actually pay an accountant to take care of that because I can't even fathom like dealing with that type of stuff. All right, so we're going to move forward a little bit, a little fast forward, because we you have we 30 minutes. Hours. I know, I know. But we, I want people to know some of this really cool stuff that I think helps you and has helped a lot of other people as well. Right. So um, you start working for yourself, and you're doing that, and you are calling your Adam Martin Design or T. Adam Martin Design. Yeah, I mean, my, I set up my LLC. Is, my first domain I ever bought was martindesignstudio.com. Or not, I'm sorry, I take that back. Uh, I set up my LLC as Martin Design Studio LLC, but the domain martindesignstudio.com was taken. So I used amartindesign.com and then that's sort of what it just became known as. Right. Is amartindesign. And so I did that for six years full-time. Six years full-time freelance after that company. Like one year turned into six, right? That's great. Yeah. But you're hustling because you're having, and you're, are you just really getting stuff from people at the Verde group or are you still getting, are you, how are you getting more clients? Cause I think that's one of the things that people don't realize. How do you, how do you get to that point? Right. So well, you, you, you want, to, I had no clue what to do. <laughs> right. I literally was flying by suit in my pants and I like, I bought, I think Amazon had just, I mean, this is sort of the cusp of when Amazon had come out. Right. Mm-hmm. So, what company? Oh, here's a graphic design business book. Let me read this. So, you know, read that, didn't understand what things like equity and like mm. <laughs> any of these terms were. Um, so, so that had helped me a little bit. And I started kind of cold call, not cold calling, but cold emailing and I would land some stuff here and there. Um, and then like sometimes some former employees, like host was a very the sports business. And this is like for lack of a better, better term, but the sports business is very in a vacuum. 
Mm. I was going to say incestual, but I was trying to think of something better, but like it's, it's in a vacuum, right? So like these people aren't really looking outside of that world. Um, so like sometimes I would find a, there'd be an old connection that I would have that, um, uh, you know, would send me some work or whatever, but six, so six years down the line, I mean, I was, but two years, I'm still, I'm starting to figure it out. Year three, I kind of had it down year four and year five, like year five was, uh, year six was my best year. Every year it went up, right? Like it right. gradually. And actually after year one, I mean, like year one, I made like, I want to say like $16,000. I mean, it was like working at McDonald's. Ooh, bringing it right? in. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Um, so then like, I think year two that doubled and then it kind of just started to rise. Um, towards the end of year six, I got approached by this guy who I had met through just local networking channels who had a technology company called able engine and they did like a basically all web stuff and I wanted to do more web. Uh, and I did like maybe one website at the time, but it was still like really just not knowing what I'm doing. I mean, I was trying to code the stuff myself and it probably is one of them is still up uh, right now. <laughs> I could probably wow. show you, show you which it is, but it's like a B2B company. It's not that great. But, um, so he, he was like, why don't you come aboard our company? And I, I didn't want to work for anybody else. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, unless it was like some dream gig, which wasn't going to happen because I also wasn't willing to move. So basically I was stuck. Right. Um, so he was like, why don't you come work for us? Cause they had a designer that just left and I knew this and I was like, I don't really want to go be your graphic designer. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, cause we're like, you know, having a drink together or whatever. And he was like, well, but that's the thing. My partner, because his partner was the design partner. He was the tech partner. And they had another partner. He had actually moved up to the business development. And then he had a third partner who was the CTO, um, which is chief technology officer for anyone. Thank you. <laughs> um, he, he was like, well, my partner wants to get out of doing the day-to-day design because he was like in his 40s and really just kind of burnt out. Right? He wanted to be like more of a let's go have coffee with the clients type deal. Right. So I was like, all right, let me think about it. Went home. They shot me a number. I came back, shot them another number and was like, if you can hit me with this and you give me the ability to keep this one particular client that I was working with, like I'll bring them to your company. But like, this was my alma mater at the time. If, if I can keep, if, if, if this doesn't work out and I can keep them when I leave, just because like I have like a heartstrings thing to that client, it's not about the money. Uh, then, then I'll do it. And so he came back. He's like, let me talk to the partners came back. Boom. He did it. So we made it like a full calendar year. So the end of December, like I signed with them in December and then in like January 2nd, I went to work at this company. Uh, so part of this too was I was 29 at the time. I was going to turn 30. I had, we had had two kids by that point. And, and, and so this is, uh, um, this is one of those things where like when you talk to people and they're like, I'm working a full-time job and then you like have these things, these life things happen while you're at the job. It's very scary to think about leaving, but mm-hmm. I just was naive. Right. So like these, these, like having a kid happened to me when I was a freelancer. Right. So it wasn't scary for me to like take a job and quit again. Right. right. Cause you knew because you could do it. I already it. knew that there's like a hunt, kill, eat mentality. And, and, uh, at the end of the day, it's like, you, you really do, you figure it out. You know, that's, I think most people do. Well, I think, but that's one of your strengths is that you, you talk to a lot of people and that you may be, um, and you're very passionate about sports. So you knew where you could dig in and you knew where you could have a conversation, mm-hmm. but then you also, you're, you're very engaging and, and you have conversations and not just 
soliloquies, I guess, you know? And so I think that that's one of the things is that networking, which is something that you've brought to the table in the sports industry mm-hmm. with makers of sport. Cause there's right. a, there's the podcast, but then there's also a community. And mm-hmm. I think that's kind of what I was getting at when you're out there and you're 23 and you're just starting your own business. How do you find clients? Like you said, cold calling for some, some of it was yeah, that, but, emailing, but a, I mean, a lot of it's people you know. I was afraid to death to cold call. Like I would have never cold called anybody. <laughs> right. But it's I about. Done one, I've done one cold call in my life and it was with a, uh, the arena football mm. team in Lexington. I ended up landing it and it ended up being like very poorly managed and was like a miserable project. Like not just the project, but just the whole team itself. Like right. they folded and like, it was just, yeah, it was ridiculous. So what was it, what would be something that you would tell your younger self to do differently? And like, what age would you go back if you had to? So, all right. I think about this a lot. And I think that the only thing I would tell myself is number one, learn how to make your own stuff. Like I would have learned to code like as soon as the internet came about. Right. Mm-hmm. And I don't really code that much any, anymore, but like I know how. Uh, and number two, I would have started something way back then when I had no responsibilities like I want to teach my sons who's seven, like when he gets to like 12 and if he's into Minecraft, I'm like, let's make something and launch it. Right. Like, because we live in a time now where the internet, you to work. Yeah. <laughs> well, one has a really creative mind and one has like more of an engineering mind. So he's like taking apart toys and looking inside. So I'm like, Man, right. There's my developer. There's my designer. I'm going to go sell these kids. business. We'll have like, you know, Adam Martin and sons. <laughs> I'm like a law firm or something. It does. <laughs> But, um, yeah, I would just, I would do that. Like, like embrace new technology as mm. soon as it comes out, because if you can get on the front wave of that, if you look at all the people that are like super famous in the web, some of them aren't even that good. Right. But they were just first. Yeah. And so they, there's like a perception involved that, that they're good. Right. I mean, they're, well, they definitely know a lot because they've been around for a long time. So what about sports and for you as a kid playing sports? So I always, I have this question. I have a a big questionnaire that I send out and I ask people, and I actually think there's a lot of really cool psychology stuff that you can do with designers, especially with entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. And so one of the questions has to do with sports. So how important or why do you think sports are important for kids? Like even you as a dad or you as when you were a kid, how important was sports? Well, I mean, number one, it's like obviously ex- health and fitness, right? Like sure. not necessarily that I'm like the poster child for fitness nowadays, but <laughs> you know, like for my kids, it's like, Hey, you're getting out, you're running around. Um, and then number two, like obviously there's teamwork, but then there's just like perseverance, right? Mm. So like things happen, you gotta, you gotta suck it up. Like right now my son is playing, I made the mistake of this year signing my son up to, for a really competitive basketball league because that was always his number one sport. But this year we all, he also got really competitive in soccer. Mm-hmm. So he's in like club soccer and he's playing this really competitive basketball league. Well, he's starting to hate it because he doesn't like his coach, the way his style of coaching is whatever. And so I'm like, I should have only let him do one super competitive thing and the other one for like more fun. fun right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I just sat him down and I told him, I was like, listen, like I've had coaches. I didn't like, like this is, he's just seven. Right. But I mean, he's, I still try to dumb it down in the lesson. Like, Hey, things are going to happen. And you kind of just got to suck it up and deal with it until it's, <laughs> there done. are just other people and it's not always about you. And sometimes you do just have to suck it up. Well, right? and this, this thing ends, right? Like yeah. this thing doesn't go on forever. So like, if you can, if you can sort of like stand the test of time and like get over this hump, 
Cause this really sort of ties in. What if you have a job you don't like, and then you got to get over that hump to get to the next thing. Um, so, I mean, if it was like a permanent thing that went on forever, I'd be like, just quit. Right. 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 But this, this does end. So it is kind of a life. And plus it costs us like 170 bucks to play. <laughs> yeah. This isn't but free. I don't want to pull torture. <laughs> right. So do you think that it helped you? Cause I do think a lot of times we are, working on a team. And I know Brian White, he's, you know, he has other people that work with him, but he's works alone on his own. I do a lot of stuff on my own, but I have other people that I work mm-hmm. with and I know you're the same way. You have photographers. And so you do have, to, there is this compromise and it's also in a team, especially like soccer or basketball, you can't always be the ball hog. Mm-hmm. You have to be able to share and give people their spotlights. Right. right. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, ego is like a big thing. Younger designers, I feel like a lot of times tend to have egos. Uh, I did for no, completely no reason at all, other than the fact that like my first job, I got to do stuff for like the SEC football championship and it wasn't any good. It, well, the work wasn't good, right? <laughs> but, um, you know, I was just like, I'm doing all this cool stuff. And I remember all my friends like, that's so awesome you're doing it. So it kind of blows your head up a little bit. So ego is obviously huge. But, but one thing with teams is that even though like there's different people and they have different skill sets, there's always one common goal, mm-hmm. right? So like, I think you have to sort of set the tone with that common goal. What is the goal of this thing? And now as I've gotten older and I've gotten a little more of a strategic mind, mm-hmm. I really try to lay all that stuff out in the beginning. Um, you know, this is where we're going with this. And even with the clients, talk to them about how the, you know, it, if I'm wrong, please tell me, but like, this is sort of a, almost like a brief, right? Like this is where we're going. This is what you want to achieve. This is how we want to achieve it for you kind of scenario and then everybody's got to get on that page that way you sort of have this thing to point to at the end of the line where like if it's sort of like strays and they're kind of like going out here you can like reel them back in right to to move in that direction well and i also feel like so it is that common goal and as a designer we're working especially if we're freelancers you know we work it's really important for us to help our clients feel like we're on their team Mm -hmm. so if you've only been a golf player and you only play alone, then you're really can be singled out. And so you don't really maybe know how to make it work with everybody and make somebody else feel like they're part of the team possibly. I don't know. I never right. played golf. So I'm yeah. probably a terrible example. <laughs> Golf's an individual sport. But, or gymnastics, you know, that was kind of individual, even though you were part of a team. But, but like I played soccer and I knew that my team was really good, but it was better if I was not on the field. It was better if well, I was so on the sidelines. Example. I, so I coached a youth team this year and I sent a thing out to my parents and I was like, I need you to not uh, weight your kids, how good they are based on the fact that they're scoring goals. Because like this year in the eight and under league, the faster kids are going to score and the faster kids are going to play up front. But you know what? The kid that's like, maybe a little bit stockier and maybe they'll grow, they'll grow out of that. Right. Eventually. I mean, they're still babies. Right. But stocky's like, not really a bad term. Like, right. No, it's, I mean, I'm, you know, big dude. <laughs> You're here. pretty like, tall. <laughs> anyway. So, okay. Um, you know, they used to call this healthy back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> my college roommate would like go home and his mom would be like, you're getting too skinny. I need to like fatten you up. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, um, uh, you know, and I just told him, I was like, listen, just because like your kid's not the one scoring, because we had a team of like 12 kids and only four kids scored and mm-hmm. the top two scored like, you know, 15, 16 goals a piece. And then the third one scored like seven. And then we had one that sort of rolled one in. And I knew that this was, that this was how it was going to go. Right. Um, 
And, and so I basically let him know. I was like, listen, just because your kid is not up front scoring goals, like you, you need to not push them to score goals because there's like, there is like the kid that's in the back has to clear the ball. Right. Right. Like, right, right. That kid is just as important. Like we had a girl who was a goalie. It was her first year ever playing and she ended up being like incredible. And I told her parents, I was like, she's such a natural at this. So like I, I introduced her to like a club coach and was like, she's really good. Like just a natural, like totally unafraid of anything. Like right. would totally just sacrifice herself, which was a lot of times I was like, you need to like not do this cause you're gonna get your teeth knocked out. And I don't want that <laughs> happening at like age eight or whatever, you know? Right. <laughs> um, but you know, you sort of like see where things fit, but that was the main, that was kind of the thing from a strategy perspective. You were saying you felt like you, you didn't belong out on the field. But oh, I know I didn't. I mean, th- we went to state. It was cause I was on the <laughs> sidelines. It was, I was always got coaches award cause I was a good encourager yeah. and I was fine with that though. But I think it's about knowing where you fit What's your and, role, yeah. and knowing what you're, what you're best at. And if somebody else is better being able to step aside and let them take that stage. And I feel like, um, I feel like that's that's something you really have to do as a freelancer. And mm-hmm. I feel like maybe you kind of handed it because at 23 you went and did this and mm-hmm. you didn't know any better. Um, and I think Brian White, he probably started pretty early too. And he also says he was in a stacky body and he said it was called Husky back in the yeah, day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> so I know you also coach. So I actually think it's really it's interesting. I think all those things, those side things that we do, actually do play a role in what we do in our day-to-day jobs. So mm-hmm. how do you think um, coaching youth sports um, affects or informs your ability to be a good creative director? <laughs> well, one thing, you're never going to deal with a client that's as bad as <laughs> a bad youth sports parent. It's <laughs> a good right? analogy. Like, so that helps you. You, you got to learn to, you have to learn to have thick skin, number one, mm. right? Because like I've got these parents and they're like, tell me what to do stuff. And I'm like, you know, I got a dad who's like, why don't you try this? And I'm like, why don't you go sit down? <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> I'm in the middle of a game here. <laughs> but that's really like a client. Yeah. No, it's crazy. Like, uh, there, there are stereotypes that exist that I was blown away that this really happens. Right. Uh, so, you know, the fixed skin part, but from also communication. I mean, like, there's nothing. When you have to explain complex concepts, like staying in your position <laughs> – <laughs> to like an eight-year-old who, who's playing like uh, a defensive back and wants to run all the way up and score goals like uh you know when you have to explain that in a way that they get and understand is uh you learn how to talk pretty good to clients right because like you know if i'm having to explain to a client that doesn't understand the web technical technological terms or whatever I can dumb it down to like, Hey, and I really try to keep it a strategic kind of talk. This is why we're doing what we're doing. And like, so even from a project management perspective, like in, I, I use Basecamp and Slack. Those are like my two religious things. If we could get rid of email and Twitter and everything. And I still had those two things. I would, I would be good. Um, so in Basecamp, I even have my developers set up to do's mm-hmm. that, that literally, I don't even know what they mean. But I'm like, I want you to, sh- I want the client to still get a bird's eye view to see things are happening, move- parts are moving behind the scenes, even if they don't understand it. And I tell them the client that, right? Me and, me and you were talking about this and I just recently got into Basecamp with a client project and I'm like, am I supposed to write stuff in there? Because I'm, and I really, I was like, who told, am I? And so I really double thought and it was you who told me that. So thank goodness I don't have to go in and write a whole bunch of to do's. Okay. <laughs> 
but I understand why because they don't understand it, but they want to see things are progressing. Right. And they they understand they've paid and they feel like, hey, I'm out this money. What am I getting? Yeah, absolutely. Especially if you got paid up. I mean, ideally, you would want to get paid some money up front, right? So right. they've got skin in the game. You have skin in the game. Um, so you need to like over, and that's another thing being remote. I mean, I work from the middle of nowhere, right? I have to over, I, I make sure to over communicate everything because otherwise like I'm just some random dude in the middle of nowhere that like just took their money as a snake oil salesman or whatever. Right. right? But so, it's about being part of a team. Like you make sure you're part of the team and yeah. feel part of the team. And you do really do that. Like you have, I know you have a bunch of clients that are remote. So go back in a little bit. So you worked for this company that they decided they were going to give you everything you wanted. You got to keep your alma mater. And then how did you leave that team? And was it a year later? Was it eight years later? It can't be that. because you're not. It was old. like a year and a couple months, just like host communications. <laughs> I, I went there and about, I actually have a blog post, which I can share with you uh, if you want to do links. And it was just like on Tumblr. And I wrote this post about how six months in, I started to feel miserable and it had nothing to do with the people, but I just felt like I'm not building my own thing. And it wasn't an ego thing, but it was like, I have no, I was used six years, you know, I'm looking in QuickBooks. I understand, I have a full picture of everything that's happening in my business. Mm -hmm. Now, all I have to do is go and design and turn it off and go home at night. Like I couldn't do that. I just couldn't do it. I wanted to. I just, I couldn't do it. I didn't know what the financial health of the company was. You know, like these are things that like I was <laughs> as an entrepreneur uh, and like, what's the future, right? So this company was starting to make some decisions about going into some work. Like the, the owners of that company, super great guys. They were start, they were wanting to start going in to do like some more government work because it paid like really well. And I just didn't want to do that. Mm. You know, it was boring to me. So, um, so I, uh, I, about, you know, six months in I started and I was a, a pain to work with because I was miserable, right? Like I was just snarky all the time. And, uh, and, and I didn't understand that that's what it was. I thought like I was really just what's wrong with me. Right. And then like, once I left, it was like, everything went back to being normal. Right. It's, I think some people just cut from this cloth that this is what you, this is what you should do. And I'll be honest with you. I didn't know that I really understand what entrepreneurship was. I was like, until Twitter launched, I didn't know a single other freelancer, right? So like when Twitter launched, I met this other guy who's in Lexington who now works like at some big startup in Austin, Texas. He's a, a good friend of mine. He, um, he, we, he was a freelancer too. And I was like, you're just like me. So we would start going to lunch together. Right. And having conversations and like talking about how much we hated like ex clients or like this happened to you. Yeah, this happened to me, too. Right. So then Twitter really kind of like brought about like, oh, there's other people out there that are just like me. So you were uh, seeking a, out a community. Did you realize you were? Uh, I wasn't purposefully doing it, but I, <laughs> I, I, um, you know, uh, I guess subconsciously. Yeah. Because you I were because you are a, you want to connect. Yeah, I, yeah, I guess. <laughs> so I mean, that's. So then how long after you, you go back to working for you and Hey Adam, you go back to working for you and then you come back to, um, not you, Adam, a different Adam Ergel, Adam. Yeah. Well, yeah. Wow. That's, that's, yeah. But you have to refer to him as AE and me as AM cause we're actually okay. working on a client project together and <laughs> I have to uh, designate that. <laughs> but so then when did you start makers of sport and why? All right. So at the end of my sort of time at that company, we had actually went, one of the art directors there that I worked with used to work with the, at the Minnesota Vikings. And so we decided let's use our sports experience and go to this big national college conference and try to sell 
us as this like niche of business. So when we went down there, that opened it all back up for me because technology had changed then, you know, like social media was new. And so I was like, I want to get back into this. Like I love this. So I, when I quit my job, um, I, I, uh, wanted to do more sports work, but I didn't know that I was going to go 100% in. Mm. Right. So, so I just kind of reached out to some old contacts because I needed work, uh, you know, landing some sports things. And then I, I also wrote in this blog post that I wanted to start a podcast. I don't know what that, what it was. Cause I was kind of getting to the point where I was almost mentoring, like some of the people that worked there talking about branding and things. And I really liked it. Mm. Um, and, and, uh, and so I think somebody was like, you should start a blog or whatever. And, and I was like, you know, I've been listening to podcasts since they said so basically since their inception, right? Like in 2006 or whenever the first one came out, and it's always been design shows. I mean, other than like maybe ESPN. Um, and so I was like, I want to start a podcast. Well, there was always this one show that I was looking for that didn't exist. And that was the mm. intersection of sport and creativity. And, uh, and so it, sort of that entrepreneurial mind, I basically wrote in this post, like, I really want to push myself to do something that's completely out of my comfort zone. And this is it. So when I laid it out publicly. Yeah, but you're so like animated and you talk to people. It's like <laughs> completely out of your comfort zone, I think is a bit of a stretch because you're good talking to people. Well, now, I mean, three years. You think you were a wallflower? No, I don't think that I was a wallflower, but I was afraid of putting like locally I was fine. I mean, I had spoken at AAF or whatever. And like I had been like president of our local AAF and all this stuff. That stuff wasn't a problem. It was putting myself out on the internet now, like mm. at, a, at a scale that was bigger. Right. And also like, you know, I hadn't done any Super Bowl identity work or whatever. Like I've got these legends that have done this work. And, and so there was that big part of it too. Like who am I to freaking come on here and talk to these people about stuff. Right. So uh, that was a huge part of it. And then also putting myself out there because I just automatically assume being from where I'm from that I have like a hillbilly. <laughs> oh, people think <laughs> that you're a hillbilly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's, that was a huge part of it. But um, I don't think people think that. Do you? I mean, when they meet me, they don't, you know, but I mean, I th if you're just like totally stereotyping, <laughs> like you're in Kentucky. Oh, like whatever. But yeah. a lot of people don't even know now. I mean, like they don't when even you know, when I moved to Colorado uh, and I went, had been at Auburn, I thought everybody knew what Auburn was. I mean, Bo Jackson went there, you know, oh, yeah. Charles Barkley. Yeah. And they would be like, <laughs> I moved to Colorado and they're like, Auburn, is that in Texas? I'm like, what? Yeah. Like, like are you crazy? Who are you people? Yeah. Do you people not know that the God of the South is the SEC? Like <laughs> And so I was just so shocked because football, I grew up on football. Oh, yeah. And so like I was, yeah. it was really important. And so to me, it was just so funny. And so it, it kind of opened the world up early that it wasn't all like, everybody doesn't know what you're talking about. And so anytime I would see an SEC person, even a Florida person, which is a really big for growing up a Georgia fan to even say, I would be like, Hey, I went to Auburn and they, I mean, I have one guy follow me home one time and he was like, I just wanted to say War Eagle to you. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this would be really creepy, but War Eagle, you know, like, and that's, but it's because it's like a sense of community and belonging. It's it is, but that's what you were doing. And so I think, but you weren't coming at it, making makers of sports, like I am the known, I know everything. You are really reaching out to these people, Joe Bozak. I mean, all these people who were legends and mm -hmm. were, were making a name 
and then you were reaching out and getting information from them and now you're just still disseminating you're still doing that that research part mm -hmm. which i don't think is ego at all you know because you're learning one thing that's really helped with some of those higher level people is that um sitting down at the table and talking business and strategy because data nobody ever asked them that right nobody ever asked joe bosack about his the entrepreneurial side of his business they ask him like what was it like to make that logo for Houston or whatever right i mean right. he gets all the time from people that are like even just like construction workers or whatever right like people that just there's a whole community of people that love uniforms and sports logos that don't understand it at all right and then it's it's good and bad because then your work is put on this pedestal where like it's judged right like crazy Right. Uh, there's an example, uh, Juventus FC, which is in Italy, is a huge uh, um, football club, like not Auburn football, but, you know, European soccer, right? Right. And uh, um, uh, they, uh, they interbrand, designed their new identity. I think it looks great. I had my son, I did an exercise where I was like, hey, my son, oldest son's name is Colton. I was like, Colton, look at this. Look at, I had him look at the logo for like 30 seconds and then I waited five minutes and had him draw it on his whiteboard and he drew it really close to what it was. And then I tweeted and I was like, this is why this is a good strategy, right? Because like those football marks traditionally are crests and they're just yeah. put everything you can into them, right? But you know, half the world, this is like with anything, right? Like, I mean, half of the world hated it and they're very vocal about it. So I don't know what they're going to do as far as like, you know, flip the switch on it, but that is sports design in a nutshell. Right. And, and that's like the rough part about it. And I've even, but that's where that the thick skin. The oh yeah. I mean, I've experienced this on the division three level, designing a logo for a team in Lexington and the alumni absolutely lose their minds. Mm. Right. And, and so it's like, I couldn't imagine doing something as big as, you know, that football club. Right. Right. I mean, you just have to get off social media for like six months. <laughs> Because I or, read every single comment of the 250 comments <laughs> <laughs> that were on this, this thing. And I wanted so bad to just be like, you don't even know a fourth of the story. Right. Right. Like, you don't know that the president wanted this and that, like, I had to battle six people here. And then, like, there was a board and then, like, this donor and whatever. You don't know that. Right. So, and that's why I like to be able to talk to people about those stories too. I mean, Joe Bosack told me he, one time he got a letter from a guy who said that he ruined his life because he redesigned his like college athletics identity that he went to school at. Right. Like everybody just has that nostalgic feeling about their school and their team. And that's the thing about sports is it sort of puts us, I always say is that it puts a stamp on a certain place in time. Mm. Right. This is why a lot of people don't like the system, like in a, in a, in a system of brand identity, like sometimes systems are good, but a lot of people don't like the systemized Super Bowl logos because the, it doesn't do that. It doesn't put a stamp on a place in time. Whereas like you can look at the old Super Bowl logos and like almost, you know, to a T understand what the visual culture was at that right, point. In time. Right. And those so, are the types of things that I love the most about sports. Now, I don't even like really care that much about what goes on the field anymore. I'm so much more into like the culture of it all. Mm -hmm. And, and like just from an anthropolo anthropological, how do you? Yeah. Anthropological, you, know, you said it right. Uh, perspective, uh, you know, and culture, like the whole branding and tribal aspect of like people are getting tattoos of yeah. some of this stuff and nobody, no one's getting it. I mean, maybe people do super fans, but like, you know, most people aren't getting a tattoo of Coca-Cola. Right, but you know, you should look into, um, if you really like the anthrop anthropological stuff, you should check out um, 
Oh, boogers. My friend, Beth Nobby, N-A-B-I. I've had her on my show. And she does a whole thing with U2 and U2 branding and people putting their that U2. Because U2 actually doesn't have a brand. The band doesn't have a logo, mm -hmm. which is... Um, she's done this whole, she, a whole bunch of tattoos. Uh, I mean, she doesn't have a whole bunch of tattoos, but mm -hmm. the people she photographed. Anyway, it's really interesting if you're interested. Well, in that. That's like and Oregon, Oregon football, Oregon football doesn't really have a brand. I mean, their brand is that they don't have a brand, right? Yeah. So they have like a different uniform every game. And then what happens is you get some like school in the Midwest who like tries to mimic Oregon and, and it doesn't work out because yeah. you're not Oregon. Right. Yeah. Like you, even though you're a division one double A school, like you have a history. So let's talk a little bit about the culture. I know we're going to go a little over and I can't go too far over cause I have a test for my next guy <laughs> next week. Um, and I'm also supposed to have office hours, like real office hours with students. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but I have just a little bring time. In, bring them into the podcast. Let's just do, do <laughs> yeah, um, it's like not, it won't be interesting unless they're upset and um, about something. But so, You've you've been building this um, community, okay? And and because you're interested in that culture, you created this culture, and you've also created a culture because it, it's a um, it's a safe community. It's it is a paid community. It's not like it's out. Take your shirt off. I mean, that sounds terrible. Like it's <laughs> not, not that. <laughs> I mean, like it doesn't cost your shirt, you know. Oh, like, yeah. <laughs> again, I have to remember. Um, the, anyway, doesn't cost an arm and a leg. It doesn't cost an arm and I don't know. It doesn't cost your shirt. I know. Keep it PG. Jason Bostholm <laughs> says. Um, so anyway, Deidre, she says, I can totally relate. I work for Nike licensee. I work for a Nike licensee and see this stuff every day. Great stuff, Adam. I'm glad I was able to stop in and listen. Cheers, everyone. Awesome. Thanks, Deidre. Awesome. Thanks. Yeah, thank you. Um, so, but anyway, so you've created this and now you have this space that people can kind of come in and talk about these things because mm -hmm. it is more than just what's on the field. Now what's on the field affects the rest of the world. And it is like, to me, when I was a kid, it was the Dukes of Hazard. Like everybody mm -hmm. would go home and, or, you know, Friday nights was the Dukes of Hazard. And then on, um, you'd go back on Monday and you would, or whenever it was, you know, you'd go back to school and then you were all watching because there was limited amount. Now we mm -hmm. have so many things that we watch. We don't share many cultural experiences, but still football or basketball or baseball um, is something that people can share as something that we are excited about together. And mm -hmm. I think it's getting, it's less and less that we do you think that's true or not? Now you're really in the dark. Yeah, no, like I, I, I think that that's. Um, I think that that's true. Let me. You don't need to pull the pull the thing. Yeah, down. pull the blanket down. <laughs> pull the blanket down. <laughs> yeah, because it looked like like now you're in a, uh, you know, like a 2020. Got, got dark outside. Um, <laughs> no, you're right. I mean, the one thing about sports is that. There is nothing there is. And this is sort of like the mantra with my studio mountain company. Like if you go to the website, it's it, the whole thing. It's like sports transcend culture and they transcend generations, right? Like they, sports connect people. Sports connect like the 15, to, 15 year old to an 80 year old that never didn't grow up in the same generation and don't understand anything except for that, that, that flag with that mark on it. Right. right. That's what they understand. And, and, and at what, at what other industry or discipline can you put people in one place that do not speak the same language and have them interact seamlessly? Soccer, right? I mean, the Olympics, these people compete against each other. They don't even speak the same language. 
right? But it's like a seamless experience. It all works together. That's what I love about sports is, is that part of it. It's like this connector to the world. And, you know, and, and we, I say this all the time on the show. I know that what us as sports designers are doing, we're not curing cancer, right? Like it's not like that huge. Right, right, right. right. And I say that a lot. And then, you know, sometimes when people, uh, you know, Chris Creamer, who has this website called sportslogos.net, super popular site. And that's the one that's really kind of mainstream uh, where I was talking about, you know, might have construction workers or, or whatever that follow it. Um, and he was just like, you know, don't sell yourself short though, because like at the end, I mean, if someone loses their job and where do they get lost in, they get lost in watching the Yankees mm-hmm. that night, right? Like that's the one steady thing. It's the one thing they watch live on TV. You don't DVR sports. If you do, it's absolutely terrible. Cause you, I got an ESPN update accidentally three minutes right. ago. Right. Um, so that in award shows, I guess, I mean, like award shows, nobody really DVRs those. I don't think. <laughs> Live events, live entertainment, right? That's like right. the main thing. But yeah, I mean, it's. I read this book, and this kind of goes back to where you were saying when you went to Colorado, you couldn't believe they did not know about <laughs> Auburn football. So I read this book. A friend of mine recommended it to me. I read it like probably five years ago called Rammer Jammer Yellow Hammer. And you're going to hate that because that's Alabama's cheer. I know. Right? Yeah, I know. Uh, I live here. <laughs> but Rammer Jammer Yellow Hammer is uh, – let me see if I have it uh, – are you really – were you always as neat as a kid because your office is super neat? Um, I mean, my desk is kind of a mess. Like, that looks good because it's a bookshelf. <laughs> but if I turn the screen this way, you're going to see, like, stacked up stuff on those shelves. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but anyway, so this guy, Warren St. John is the author's name, and he wrote this book about Rammer Jammer, about culture or the culture of sport. And he grew up in Alabama, obviously, the title – was a football Alabama football fan went to uh like Cornell I think or like an Ivy League school and he had a picture of Bear Bryant on his wall and all the people were coming in and were like is that your grandpa like who is that and he was like what that's the coach that's the historical coach of Alabama football you don't know who that is like why would you have the coach of another school on your because even some of my friends in the community that are from like the the northeast don't understand the college sports culture Mm -hmm. right I mean the SEC is a whole different animal um, you know, like we don't, I, I, like, I didn't go to Kentucky, but I'm a, I'm a Kentucky football season ticket holder. Right. Like that's, uh, that's, I know. I think my mom uh, cried when I went to Auburn cause you know, him, her and my dad went to Georgia and I remember as we moved in, my mom yeah, said, you guys you know, hate each other. there's still a place for you at Georgia. I'm like, mom, we're moving in, you know, <laughs> I mean, she's here. She could, but I mean, from five to 18, every Saturday I was in Athens. Right. But I had been there, so I wanted to do something different. And Auburn was definitely the place for me. My dad right. was okay with it. My mom still probably would. So this book, this guy basically, that really sort of struck a chord with him when that mm. happened. He was like, what is it about this? Right? Like, why do I have a picture of this guy on my wall? I don't know. <laughs> and so he he went to Alabama and 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 got into the whole mobile uh home culture of like RV culture traveling oh, again, uh-huh. and met all these incredible characters of like a guy who missed his daughter's wedding. Cause she had it on an Auburn or, or like a or football you know, Saturday, you know, and one, one, one guy that, that like had, to, he was like in line for like some kind of like organ transplant and he wasn't supposed to go like more than 30 minutes from where he lived. And he would like sneak off and go to these games, and like risk his life. Right. Cause like, if he's not there, I think they move on to like the next person or whatever. Um, so, mm-hmm. and, and it's basically this book about what is it about this? And then like sort of the end of it was, was kind of about how it kind of brings you together, right? Like you, like sports makes you hug a stranger. The only thing that makes you hug a stranger are like post like 9-11, right? Mm-hmm. Or like huge catastrophe 
or sports, really. And Mike Jones. Oh, well, yeah, Mike Jones. I mean, that's, that's pretty much <laughs> given. In, in, in so, so, well, let's go back to the podcast and what it has done. So do you have any significant or an example of a significant growth for you or for in your business or for somebody in your community that the podcast has created? Yeah, so I know that, um, uh, you know, Britt Davis. Mm-hmm. So she, I actually introduced her to her boss, Mike. They were both at the How conference and I was like, you guys should meet up. But, I mean, it wasn't even, I don't really even claim, I didn't know that that was a thing until she told me. But like, it's kind of a cool little thing. Like I introduced us to, they met up, they were hiring a designer and now she's with, with, with the Falcons, right? Uh, there are people working together in, in Slack, right? Through direct messages and stuff. I've worked with at least three people in the community on projects, uh, you know, like we were saying, Adam Ergel, I brought Adam Ergel in with my, uh, re- uh, retainer client, one of my retainer clients. And he's working on like some vector work while I'm sort of creating this system of identities and I'm just having him do the vector part of the identities. Cause you can't do it all alone. That's the one thing about scaling a business. You have to be able to have, you can't wear all the hats. And I think that that's where strategy comes in for you that plays a big part in some of your clients. Yeah. And I think that's true. And, 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 and except for in the case of if you are a very one track kind of like, if you're an illustrator and you only want to do illustration, you can be the best at that particular style. And then people are going to hire you for it. Right. You don't have to worry about doing these other things. My biggest curse is that I want to like, I'm curious about everything. I want to be everything. I sent out a tweet today and I was like, in another life, I want to be a furniture designer, right? Like in another life, I want to like have a type foundry. Like I want to do everything, but you just can't. But it also can get hard because you're not really, you can't, ESPN, the magazine can't come to me and say, let's hire Adam because like he does this, right? right. Because there's like, what do you do? You do too many things. We can't put you in a box kind of thing. And that I think is good. Like if you're an entrepreneurial type, but if you're, if you're really wanting to kind of like, if you're not an entrepreneurial type, it's not a good thing. But there's a difference. So one of the things you and I talked about the other day, and we always do me and you always have, I think we always have really good conversations. Mm -hmm. We should just record all of them. (laughs) (laughs) But one of the things you were telling me about, and this is one of, I think your strengths is about seeing other people's strengths and being able to know how to use them. But, Mm -hmm. but it's about, uh, being able to see the big picture. You were talking about Western, um, oh, powders. Western powders. Mm-hmm. Can you tell that story? And I think it's way down. So it's like strategy. They bring you on. They had a bunch of companies. Yeah. So Western powders is a gunpowder company, like real big in the outdoor industry. There's an agency that sort of manages. We're working kind of through an agency, but it's, it's, it's like, they're just kind of there overseeing. They're not, we're not going through them in terms of payment and the client's still heavily involved. They're just involved because they do media placement and whatever. Mm-hmm. But the, but the agency is a, a guy who's on the outdoor channel. Um, and he's like pretty prominent in there. Well, I, this job came from a guy named Brian Gundell who's in the community who's been on the podcast. He was like, Hey, I don't do web stuff. I just did the branding for this company. Um, you want to work on their web stuff? And I was like, yeah, I mean, I'll take a look at it. So I'm, I, you know, at least meet them. I met them, hit it off with uh, the the project lead, which is the lady from the agency, and uh, and then they basically had this project where they had like this one product that the, when the company was founded in like the seventies or early eighties, they had this one product that had developed this big trust in like this, and this is like hunting like you know the real deal stuff, like go out in Montana and you have one shot, right? right. Like this isn't like drop like a. This, uh, 
an AR or whatever. I'm like, just, just, you know, whatever. This is like, you could die. <laughs> like if you miss, right. Right. Which that's kind of intriguing to me. Right. Um, so, uh, he, what was I getting at? Oh, Brian was like, Hey, would you want to look at this? So I went and met with them. They had like a bunch of different products that they'd acquired over time. Uh, either a new company or whatever they acquire them or they create other things. But they had this one product that was really well known. It was the one they started with. And so when I, uh, met with them, they basically were like, we want to have an estimate on what would it cost to do like basically six or seven websites or what would it cost to do like just everything under one? Well, like I, the six or seven websites one would have been like, you could have made a lot of money. Right. But I was like, it's not, that's not what's right for you. That's right. You know, like you need to consolidate all this under one thing. Nike doesn't have airmax.com. They probably do, but it forwards to nike.com slash airmax, a landing page. Right. So we can do everything with landing pages. And if the whole goal, and I wrote this big post kind of like a brief in base camp as a kickoff and was like, this is the strategy. The strategy is to, there's, there's a big trust with this one product, right? Well, the, nobody knows that Western Powders is the company that makes the product. They just know of the product, right? So you only know of Air Max. You don't know of Nike. So we need to get people to understand that Nike are the people that make this product so that we can introduce them to these other products that they already can trust because they trust the one that is already made by these people, right? right. So that's really what, what that was about. And from a digital strategy perspective is like, consolidating all that into what's right as opposed to like what's going to make the most money. Right. But I also think I mean, you being an entrepreneur and understanding that inkling at six months in, Hey, right. I'm, I don't have all my hands and all these, I don't understand where the financials are everything. That's, that's the part that is such you, I think. And it's something that you bring to the table that maybe other people mm -hmm. don't. So that's, that's your, you know, that's ESPN wanting you is because that would be what you could bring to the table. Yeah. And, and that's, I have a lot of conversations with a friend of mine who's a photographer, uh, who I've used for a lot of the stuff, a lot of stuff that I do. And, um, he, he was actually a, a psychology major. So he, <laughs> I always joke with him. I'm like, you've sort of become my therapist <laughs> because you're a psychology major, but he's a really good photographer. And because he was a psychology major, that is why he's a really good photographer. Mm. He captures people in a way that other you can't other people can't right because he understands human beings and so i have this conversation with him all the time about like man i just you know he's like you should you should, you need to be a creative director somewhere like you need to go somewhere and be a creative director right that's like what you are because you're sort of hand in all these different ways and bringing it all together at the top and it's kind of the coaching thing too i mean there's like Mm -hmm. really kind of bring it all together at the top so really even coming into my own and understanding even really what it, i mean i don't i didn't work at really like a agency agency you know i mean i worked at like a place that had a graphic designer and, and yeah, but it was about people doing something good and it's also about seeing people's talents and seeing what you could do and knowing like if um i mean i know adam ergo's a good uh he's he's great at doing brands and and um vector stuff so mm -hmm. but if you didn't know that for sure you could test him on a small project right like put him at forward for a little bit and then pull it I back could, if you could but but I could, but I'm also seeing the stuff that he's working on inside. Right. right. Or, but or but that was, but that, you know, that's kind of saying if you didn't have those other things, now we have social media. Now, if people are using social media, mm -hmm. they can say, they can show what they're good at and they can right. show what they want to do, <clears throat> but it's harder when what you want to do or what you are good at is something that's not uh, visually tangible, like mm -hmm. the strategy. So right. you have to do case studies or you have to do something else. Right. Yeah.
Right. Totally. I mean, I, I, there's a couple of different things that I really, I really like branding. I really like UI and I really like this sort of like photo manipulation stuff. That's like really heavy in the sports world. And all three of those things are like totally different things. And so, you know, I, I, like when I see something, there's an, there's an agency uh, from Poland called Arstania and uh, they do this incredible work. They do this like sort of photo manipulation stuff for all kinds of big brands. And when I see their stuff, I'm like, man, I want to do that so bad. Like I want to be that, but I can't get myself to commit to doing that because then I'm no longer doing branding. Right. right? So that's where it's like, you're, I heard this one guy say something on a podcast. Uh, there was a podcast called 10,000 hours. It's like these two creative guys that mm -hmm. I, I listened to a long time ago. And I kind of phased out, but he said something he was like, that really like I remembered. And he was like, I might not be the best at any one thing, but I feel like I might be the most interesting combination of a bunch of different things. Yeah. And I was like, I really like that. I really like that. So it stuck with me. Well, and and it, maybe that's what I'm trying to do, except I'm trying to do that in the world, in the industry of the sports business. Well, we like, I don't want to make a sports designer's pod, somebody else's podcast. Right, right. Right. I can, but I don't want to. Right. All right. So we um, are way over. So I'm going to go ahead and close it. But I want everybody to be able to know where to follow you. And then we'll just have to do a part two. We do need to talk more, me and you, but um, uh, more, I guess, recorded episodes, but yeah. we always have good conversations. So I just want to let you guys know, Adam has a shirt on Cotton Bureau. It mm. is going to get printed, so it doesn't need any, I mean, it, you can just back it and get a cool t-shirt. Um, do you want to give them kind of an idea while I put the rest of your um, links up? Yeah, absolutely. So the shirt is, uh, there's kind of an, uh, a joke in the sports world, the, the typeface United uh, by house industries. Uh, it was created by this, it was commissioned by this type designer named Tal Lemming, who's an LSU grad. Uh, but anyway, he, um, this font is used a lot in the sports industry and it's almost became come a joke where it's like Helvetica is overused a lot. So like United is the Helvetica of the sports industry. Um, everybody uses it. And I mean, it's actually makers of sport. Uh, when I write out makers of sport, like that's what, that's what that typeface. That typeface. Um, so I created this shirt that's basically says sports designers united and like every word is set in the font united. So it's like, it's kind of like if you get it, you get it kind of thing. Right. Um, but yeah, so, and it was just fun. Like I had thrown it up in the community and I was like, ah, you know, maybe I'll throw this. And I mean, tr truthfully, it's the selfish thing. Cause I wanted the shirt. I mean, I bought a hoodie <laughs> and a t-shirt and then I bought a shirt for the guy that won our fantasy league in there. <laughs> so, um, you know, I mean, if you want to get it, and the, and the, and I've had people be like, I really want to be a sports designer. I'm like, look, if you make stuff for sports, whether you're getting paid for it or not, even if you're making something for fun, you're a sports designer, as far as I'm concerned. So, so even, um, so who would be a good candidate for your community, and why is your, why, I think why is your community really helpful to each other? Because I think that it is, it's a really good. Yeah. Place. So I have people, there are people in there that want to work in sports, right? That are freelancers or illustrators. And so they're in there seeing like the pain. And then there are in-house people in there that are sort of sharing their pain points. Like, Oh, like we got to battle the marketing department on this. Or like they want the, they want the phone number huge on whatever. And we're like, do people still call numbers to get season tickets? You know, like these are the types of uh, jokes and stuff that we talk about. So if you want to work in sports, um, it's, it's definitely for you. If you already work in sports, absolutely it's for you. If you like sports and are uh, entrepreneurial, it's probably for you too. Because that's the one thing that Makers of Sport has always had is an entrepreneurial undertone. 
I'm always like, start your own thing, man. Like you don't need to like, like the reality is, and this is the secret working in house for a college football team is not awesome. <laughs> it's not, you work millions of hours. You, you're, you're a lot of times you're underpaid. Um, that's, you know, I can't say this on pod on my podcast, right? <laughs> but I can say it on yours. But the happiest people that I've found, uh, no joke, in my podcast are people that are, are doing their own thing. So some people, like, I think Adam Ergel works, has a full-time job, and then he does stuff on the side, right? Yeah. I mean, Adam Ergel started listening to the show, and he's really, I, I, at the first Creative South, I was sitting at a table with, like, six guests. You know, Fraser Davidson, mm-hmm. DJ Harley, Joe Bosack, Todd Radom, Bill Frederick from Fan Brands, and Adam we were texting. He was like, I just got here. I was like, come over. And like, as soon as he walked in, I was like, there's Joe, there's Frazier, there's, you know, and then like he, he fit right in and we kind of all hung out and now he's been in too. And he was sort of at the point where he wanted to work in sports. Right. And now he is doing work in sports to the point where there are NFL teams using his fonts. Mm. That's cool. See all these plugs for you, Adam Ergel. Anyway. (laughs) And he just had a baby. Oh Yeah. All right. So how does somebody get involved with maker of sport and how, so they can go to iTunes makers, makers with an S M A K E R S of sport, no S at the end. Um, but they can also go to makers of sport.com makers of sport.com slash iTunes. will take you directly to the iTunes link. Okay. Makers of sport.com slash email. We'll get you the newsletter where I do like this thing called weekend reads where mm-hmm. I'll just compile things from the sports industry. So like it ranges from sports design, sports branding, uniform, sports tech, sports entrepreneurship, VC type stuff in sport. What's VC? Like venture capital, Oh, you know, like startup type stuff. Um, and then, you know, everywhere, Twitter, Snapchat, Facebook, whatever is, is all makers of sport. I'm actually getting that trademark. It's like right now in, uh, it's cool. like right there with work to the trademark lawyer to get that done. But um, so makers of sport everywhere, makers of sport.com slash community is where the community is. Um, and if you want to listen to an episode and this episode I just released is not just for sports people. It's this person, uh, this guy's name is Ricardo Crespo and he's a complete ghost online. You won't find any, you'll find very rarely anything about him online. But he was a global creative um, officer at Mattel uh, and also at where he worked on a Hot Wheels rebrand. So he sort of talks about this in the show where people were like, you can't change the Hot Wheels logo. Uh, he, was all, he also was a global chief creative officer for 20th Century Fox and worked on the movie Avatar. Um, and he uh, has a past with like Saatchi and Saatchi, McCann, all these big, big sort of Mad Men-esque agencies. But he is an absolutely brilliant mind in, a ter- in, in terms of strategy, strategy and like being a creative professional. Like the whole podcast is just full of knowledge. Like how do you sell something to a marketing person? One piece of advice, which I absolutely love is like when you're in a, when you're, when you're in a job and you can't change it, cause that's the thing. A lot of in-house creators are like, I hate, you know, I can't push this idea through. And he's like, listen, he's like, you either need to have the guts to change it and fight for a diplomatic respected voice in your department or you need to decide that you can't change it and leave or you need to quit complaining if you decide you're not going to do anything. Mm. Right. Cause he's like, 
you have three options there. You can decide to stay and suck it up, but I don't want to hear any more complaints because I don't feel sorry for you. You've got decisions that you could make. And that, that was awesome to hear that from someone like him because he actually had, had done this and lived this. Yeah. And he talks about selling from a strategy perspective. Like when he was younger, he like presented a design at a hot, you know, a little hot shot designer at an agency. And the client was like, you must think you're awesome, right? Like this is, why did you make this? What's the strategy behind this? And he couldn't explain it. He just made something cool. Right. So that's when it like made his, everything change for him. Like I need to understand why I'm doing something from here on out. That's cool. So Start then with that one. And so then episode 25 is about the show. Okay. Why did I do the show? Whatever. And then um, Mountain and Company or Martin and Company? It's Mountain and Company. It's Mountain. kind of like supposed to be a little confusing. So MTN. M- I'm just making made, so made, made by, by MTN. MTN. Yeah, made by MTN, the abbreviation for Mountain. Okay. Made by MTN.com, made by MTN on Twitter and such. And that's kind of where you've taken, this is pretty recent. You went from Adam A. Martin design to yeah, this. That's the rebrand from me to like the studio. Cool. So. All right. And then the Adam, Adam. Adam Mart dot in. Oh, Adam so Mart. Yeah. I was like, wait, yeah. <laughs> Adam Mart dot in is just a uh, personal like, Hey, I'm Adam. This is what I do. Right. And you talk about maker makers of sport. I on mentioned that. it in there. Yeah. yeah. It's like, this yeah. One, it's, I mean, it's like three paragraphs. It's not a, really a thing, a big site or anything. Well, I can't tell you thank you enough. I'm super excited to finally get you on and we'll just have to do it again. And, um, thank you for just being willing to share kind of your insight and I hope people get involved with your community because I, I think it's a, a great thing and people, it's a very protected environment, right? Yeah. I mean, I kicked somebody out like after like I refunded their money because they were making people uncomfortable. Just some of the things they were saying, it wasn't even anything super crazy offensive, but there was just like a gut feeling that this, you know, it was, it was, it was, uh, Hey, I want this job at so-and-so like, Oh, cool. Like Andrew Luck is awesome. Oh, like, you know, it's like just kind of jocking these people to the point where like, I'm afraid to share anything. Right. Right. So, and knowing that it's protected, I think makes people feel more um, able to share and be open about anything that's going on or about where they maybe want to go. Yeah. The vulnerability is the best part. Like if you come in and try to be like super arrogant, it's not going to be a good fit. Good idea. Um, so uh, anyway, just want to plug that again. And then just to let you guys know, we're kind of changing gears. Um, it's not a podcaster next week. Um, I, this is like the year of me interviewing other designers that are podcasters, which is great. But um, the next week is um, Thomas Jackin, and he is a type designer. And so we're going to kind of dig into um, what choices to make and why and where to sell and um, how you decide on what you're doing next and how you keep going just as a type designer. So hopefully you guys will stop in for that one. And it's the same time as always, 2.30 Eastern, 11.30 Pacific. And hopefully you'll eat lunch with me a little late on the East Coast and a normal early time, I guess, for Pacific. Um, so thanks everybody for joining in. I always forget to do my plug, I think, most of the time. So thank you for coming Diane, if you want to email me, email Diane at designrecharge.org or Diane at rechargingyou.com. And I will, uh, if you want to hit me up and social media at design recharge on everything is the best way to get with me. So Adam, thank you so much for being here. And I'm always enjoy our conversations.
Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next week.